Hi, I'm your host, Mark Stenson. In addition to these podcast interviews, I facilitate patient-doctor listening research, known as Innovate Groups. These panels have four patients and four doctors and provide an opportunity to observe and improve the interactions that lie at the heart of effective health care. I've created an ebook on this Innovate Group method, and I'd like to offer you a download. It includes real-life case studies to underscore the power of better patient-doctor listening. So visit biosciencebridge.com to download your ebook, Innovate Group Revolutions. Now, before I welcome today's guest, here's a familiar voice on an important health topic. Hi, I'm Peyton Manning, and I'm partnering with the American Red Cross this year to tackle blood shortages. Giving blood's important because every two seconds, someone actually needs blood, and unfortunately, only like 3% of the U.S. population donates. So we have to step up to give and to make sure there's plenty of blood available for those in need. Visit redcrossblood.org to get in the game and make an appointment to give. Welcome to The Patient Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. Featuring interviews with healthcare leaders and patient advocates. Here's your host, best-selling author, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends and colleagues, to our podcast, The Patient's Speak, where we're combining the business and the science innovation of healthcare with the patient voice to make sure we're accelerating the patient's journey from diagnosis to wellness. And today we have a great guest who's going to tell us about the application of some very intriguing technology combined with some AI uh, expertise, but his own experience in technology and his own journey as a colon cancer survivor. Please welcome to the show, Chuck Rinker. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I sincerely have and appreciate you having me on. You've got a great story and a great company working on some very cool things for patient engagement, patient communication. Uh, Chuck is the CEO at a company called Personas, and they are working on, as I said, a human dash AI combination that really helps engage and communicate better with patients. Maybe we start there, Chuck. Your experience goes back to even games and EA Sports and Madden Football and that sort of thing, and now has advanced into this patient avatars, if I could use that word, Mm -hmm. and really creating a, a more personal communication. What is it from the patient's point of view that is driving this kind of technology? It's really a, a realization after um, my wife being a two-time cancer survivor, me being a one-time uh, late cancer survivor, we really realized the complexities of the healthcare system from a patient's perspective. We focus so much on clinical outcomes and the efficiencies and operational efficiencies of technology and what we can do for improving diagnostics and uh, um, different portions of healthcare from a technology standpoint. But we've left behind the impact that has on the patient's mental state and on the patient's journey itself. And and it's very easy. I consider myself one of the lucky few who have spent his entire career in human technology engagement. And I have to confess through my journeys and going down to MD Anderson and helping my wife through her situations and all this three cancers in five years isn't a good track record I want to repeat. But it's so easy to get lost, to get overwhelmed, to get blindsided, quite honestly. And it just dawned on me that was a missing piece of the puzzle 
on what we were doing. And, and I'll give you the full history of how we ended up here. I'm here a little bit later, but that's where this personas with a purpose, as we call it, is in the iHealth Assist product line. Mm, personas with a purpose. I like that. How, how are these digital communication uh, avatars going to enhance the patient experience in a variety of healthcare settings? I think about being in the clinic, but also then communicating the patient information. How are you finding these helping? There's several use cases, and as an early company and a, uh, knowing that this technology is unraveling on a daily basis, we're trying to pick on a few um, use cases, if I can say that, on where we can find um, a lot of the efficiency gains you get out of this improving the human engagement. But let's just start with a couple of the early pieces. The ultimate goal here is for us to build this uh, personality engine, as we call it, so that we can go to the larger health community and to be honest, we do a lot in the retail and commercial as well, so that we can take all these technology advances and enterprise platforms and create a different way for humans to engage with it. In the short, instead of teaching people how to use all this technology, we're trying to teach technology how to communicate with humans. And mm. so they speak 50 languages. We have a patent. We, we have two members of the deaf community that help us with sign language. Our characters are often non-binary. There's different cultural backgrounds, diversities, sensitivities to different regional cultures and such. So we're really trying to make that patient feel welcomed, represented, and with the and communicated within their native language, of course, whether it's spoken or signed. The first use case that we're really rolling out, and we're even rolling this out in the NHS and, and UK as well, is the ability to take patients on that journey when they come to a hospital and they're trying to find out where they go. A lot of people use signage on the walls or such. Our healthcare providers, especially our frontline workers, all the HCPs, as we know, are way overburdened, even more so in Canada and the, and the UK than they are here, even in the US. In the US, it's bad enough. And so we looked at it and went, okay, from a patient's perspective, where are we putting the most burden on our healthcare system? Where are we putting the most burden on our hospital facilities, our healthcare facilities, our frontline workers, our, our receptionists, our, our nurses, our doctors that are often stopped in the hallway trying to figure out how to, you know, tell people how to get to the cafeteria and such. So we came up with this concept of putting our personality, a character personality on the front of digital wayfinding. But on top of that, we found out as we were rolling out in the commercial sector that there's one thing B to be able to tell people how to get from point A to point B, but people come into the hospital often without that knowledge of what we know as healthcare professionals. So if you walk in and say something like, hey, I, I need to get a prescription filled, I'm, I'm here for some blood work. They don't necessarily know where to go to. And the way it's addressed right now is staffing up through paid staff or volunteer staff. And does that volunteer staff speak the native tongues that your audience speaks? Do they um, uh, know how to support a deaf member when they come through the door? Those kind of pieces there, are they representative of the diversity and the demographic of the patients coming through? So with ours, you can literally say, hey, I'm here for blood work. And she'll go, oh, you might need the phlebotomy lab or Sprechen Sie Deutsch, whatever. I don't speak German. I just pretend like I do. <laughs> So the ideal is to be able to create a concierge service, a white glove. If you had the time and effort to staff a hospital with 148 native speakers and a, um, a member of the deaf community, and they could answer questions, sometimes it's as simple as we did um, a large project with the Disney Hospital several years back down at Celebration Health, which is the hospital you go to if you're if you're 
kid cracks his head on Space Mountain, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where do you take him? You take him to the Disney hospital. And we actually had patients greeted there with this animated bear and all to kind of be there. But it, it gave them that approachable, hey, I'm a little more, it's more, it's, I'm, I'm relaxed. I, I'm trusting. It's an empathetic ear. So it's really about that service. How much is parking? My kid was admitted to the hospital. I need to find a local ho- a hotel I can stay at. All this information. So that's a tremendous amount of information for any employee to be burdened with, especially an employee like that we have in the healthcare system where those frontline workers often have other duties and tasks that, that, that should be freed up to perform what only humans can do, which is that creativity, that innovation, providing that one-to-one patient care that we need desperately. Yes. No, that's all good. Uh, You also touched on the fact that, this technology is being applied to a lot of Fortune 100 companies and brands that we all know and love. And uh, thinking about Disney and Wrangler and Microsoft, uh, to flip it inside out, though, what could we learn to improve the patient experience from what these brands are doing to improve their customer experience, their guest experience mm-hmm. in hospitality or technology otherwise? It seems like we've got a lot to learn in healthcare. Absolutely. And I, I think in the U.S. it's even more predominant. And, and I don't claim to be a healthcare expert. I, I've been tossed into the system from a patient's perspective because of my personal situations. But even prior to that, a lot of early personas development at the company was done within the healthcare and pharmaceutical space. So at the end of the day, the point I'm bringing up is that what we've learned from the Uh, Wranglers of the world. We've done Wrangler. We did the Seattle Mariners. We've done Pepsi. We've done all these large brands that really just show off these cool animated characters. That that creates what we call brand intimacy, which sounds irrelevant until you really think about the healthcare system. And we have choices. I fly to MD Anderson every year to keep my cancer in check. I can go anywhere I want in the US. And at the end of the day, from a healthcare system the patient needs to feel represented. They need to feel that there's a high, um, I'm being represented, I'm being cared for as an individual, not as a population. I have my own personal journey. And that's what we're doing now more and more in the commercial space with these direct one-to-one marketing type pieces. What do I know about my patient? What do I know about the demographic? And how can I create this brand intimacy, which in the retail sector leads to higher sales. And let's be a little bit, overly practical and say that hospital systems in the U.S. are based on commercial success and the ability to supply the resources to maintain the patients. So at the end of the day, we want to retain patients and we want to attract new patients. When you elevate that patient experience, in my mind, you're not only providing that representation and that patient advocate that you need to on a one-to-one basis for the patient, but you're also improving the hospital systems as a whole, because now they're able to service them. You're more satisfied as a patient. And I don't want to get too philosophical on it, but we all know that the the mental side of healthcare is every bit as important as the physical side of healthcare. And I think this does a great job on helping bridge that gap. Yes. And thinking about your personal journey and that of your wife, as uh, cancer survivors, first of all, so inspiring. I know now why they call them heroes. Uh, you are heroes because you've gone through these journeys. But how did this experience shape and even drive today uh, your work in with this healthcare technology? In other words, you were the patient. 
you wanted to be the center of the whole operation. You didn't want the doctor driving, the hospital driving. You wanted to be driving. Uh, but how does this technology are uh, informed by your experience? Yeah, I agree thing. And, and we'll preface it that we're involuntary heroes. No one wants to be didn't claiming that heroes. Yeah. <laughs> didn't sign up for that one. But I appreciate the, the acknowledgement of the stresses it does put on a, an individual. But how that particularly drove us and particularly what I've done in my work is prior to my five-year battle with cancer, we were primarily focused on a lot of those retail examples I gave you. We were trying to play to the commercial almighty dollar and get some traction, some scalability. We were early adopters in the healthcare. And that's why we jokingly, but all seriousness, call it personas with a purpose. Because we were realizing we were spending so much time and effort on the entertainment value and what a improved customer engagement and a customer experience meant for the commercial world until I was thrown into that world. And you were talking about wanting to be the center. Yeah. I've been more often, more than once called a oncologist worst nightmare because <laughs> I am a very, I have a lot of education in the pharmaceutical space. I'm one of these lifetime learners. So I was spending probably eight to 10 hours a day reviewing clinical trials from all over the world. And I was going there and I was granulating SEER data from the government and seeing how, what my outcomes were going to be and talking to my oncologist and all. But the point there is that I was so immersed in that world and so fortunate that my sisters and other family members had, are also healthcare professionals. And I see the stresses it takes out on them and what they've done, but they've introduced me to other oncologists from Baltimore. My, my uh, second oldest sister works at Valley Health in the oncology uh, facility up there. So I had a tremendous support network and was able to navigate the tremendous amount of information. But I will profess, I was the first one to jump on the internet and start watching the ACA data and mm -hmm. then freaking out and freaking out my wife and my family and all and uh, making those plans. So it was really being tossed into this whirlwind of information, sometimes disinformation, and not having that, to your point, not having that patient focus. I was looking at massive data. I was getting pamphlets, and I'm not downplaying my oncologist and HCPs. They were supplying me with the pamphlets on what to expect. They were telling me, here's the data we're sending out to you, and here's what's going to happen, and here's how your chemo is going to go. But they were really generalized pamphlets, and I'll give a lot of credit to um, um, my oncologist here at Wake Med as well, We, Dr. Wiebe. He tried to take as much time as he could, but he has a lot of patients. I'm not his only patient. And, and the fact that he carved out 45 minutes to console me and let me know what was going to happen was, was a tribute to him, but they've got their own stresses and burdens of dealing with large population. So from that standpoint, to get back to the original question, that's when we really shifted focus from if we can create a customer experience that creates brand intimacy and we can create a, an advocate that would help go from treating a patient population to treating a patient, we thought that would be an absolute good shift in focus for the company and would do as much a commercial success as it would in a, a, a patient success. Yeah, that's a great way to put it from population to a, you were communicating to a single patient one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Chuck, I think about when you might be uh, bringing your teams together, rallying them, keeping that purpose in focus. What do you say to them when you say, hey, we got to look up from the screens every now and then? 
And remember that we're talking to patients one-on-one and here's what we need to hear, not here's what we need to tell them and sell them, but here's what we need to hear from the patients. What do you say? That's, a, that's an interesting question, and, and I hope I'm getting the real gist of it, because I have a little bit of an advantage, not me, we as personas. A good portion of our team actually comes from the gaming space. So they always knew the importance of creating an experience, whether it was an entertainment-based experience, but they always created the gaming experience from knowing that was always a one-to-one relationship. You are always building the avatar, whether you're associating yourself. I'm a, I'm a big Nintendo fan and I'm a Mario Kart guy. I personally identify with Brow- uh, Bowser. Uh, a lot of people might not, but Bowser is my hero too. So if Bowser was to come up on the screen and say, hey, Chuck, here's what I know about your disease state. Here's how you get to the phlebotomy lab. Here's where you need to go to find the cafeterias. Oh, you got an appointment at two o'clock in the oncology lab, and here's how you get there. Or in one of the use cases we haven't even touched on that we've actually done six or seven trials with through RTI is we're really starting to use and get more traction for using these personalities to recruit and attract very specific demographics for early clinical trials. As we all know, our clinical trials are grossly misrepresented by people like myself. Mm-hmm. People don't realize the diversity in our clinical trials Trials is not anywhere where it needs to be. And a lot of the guys, people that participate, a significant portion are middle-aged white guys. Let's be honest. I hope that doesn't come across too politically charged, but that, that's the that, reality. That, the data show. So the, the data have to does go show. with the facts. Yeah. Up until 1972, women weren't even legally allowed to participate in clinical trials. And so to be able to address and to create a young Hispanic female or a middle-aged Spanish-speaking German-speaking female patient, to be able to appeal that, what we find, and there's some really interesting clinical trials about this, where people um, relate to avatars, as long as they're not too realistic, and we'll talk about, we'll put a little checkbox back there, talk about what I call the uncanny valley, and it's an interesting phenomenon, but the psychology behind it is, if it's too animated or cartoony or just voice only, we tend not to believe or trust it. We don't think of it as a sentient entity that I have here. However, CGIs that get too realistic, and quite honestly, even humans, here's the interesting, even humans, if we believe they're too human, we feel judged. So what someone, what a, let's call it a, we're doing an OBO trial with RTI right now, which is a study of the impact of opioid addiction on young mothers on what it does to their babies. And then we do consent uh, for that project as well. But we create the Hispanic and the young Black females to actually relay the information on what the positives and risks and cons are of joining the study. But the information that a young Black girl would tell me would be is is skewed. Mm -hmm. But the way they speak to the avatars, they're finding out when they relay the outcomes that they're actually getting more accurate data by using avatars to a large degree, as long as it's the right focus. Just because people feel trusted, there's a trust is a heavy word there. There's an inherent trust we have in an identifiable avatar that speaks my language, has some demographic appeal to me, is not judgmental, is never going to lose their temper, is a perfect listener and can disseminate the information we want. And, And it's, really something that I'm 
hope in the healthcare community with our conservative approach, and I don't mean that derogatory, we have to be conservative for obvious reasons, Mm -hmm. but it's a little harder I've found for the healthcare uh, industry, the healthcare vertical to open up and try some of these innovations that are not quantifiable ROI, here's a 7% improvement in outcomes. It's really, we're, we're, we're playing with that mental patient and the, um, uh, the mentality of the patient. And in the commercial world, they're a lot more receptive to, oh, let's give it a whirl. We're Wrangler. We got some marketing budget. Let's try it out. If it doesn't work, no biggie. If it works, great. And that's a hurdle we're seeing in the healthcare sector. Mm-hmm. Chuck, it's so interesting in all these use cases and applications and the way your personal journey has inspired your teams and continues to drive that purpose. I can't thank you enough for the conversation. Where could we find more about uh, your company and follow some of the work? Based on this audience, I would highly recommend you go straight to the uh, vertical site. We have a, a site based on our what we call our iHealth Assist product line. That's the hospital concierge services, the clinical trial consent and clinical trial recruitment products. That's at iHealthAssist, the letter I, health, A-S-S-I-S-S-T, iHealthAssist.com. If you're more interested in what we call the philosophy of the why personas, why we've chosen certain avatars and why we're creating what we call a personality engine, which is the ability to take that and expand it to other enterprise solutions that might not be our own. That would be personas.com, P-R-S-O-N-A-S.com. Oh, fantastic. And we'll put all those links in our show notes so you uh, can find them there. My guest has been Chuck Rinker, CEO of Personas and a colon cancer survivor himself. Chuck, thanks for being on the show and sharing your experience with us. Absolutely, Mark. I do sincerely appreciate it. Yes. And listeners, I think you've seen, this is almost a microcosm of our entire podcast. We talk about medical innovation, new technologies being applied, but we also talk about the personal stories and the teams and the uh, technologists and the innovators working at all levels. We like to interview medical researchers. We've called them HCPs, but certainly the providers on the front lines but also the patients and patient advocates who can tell their personal stories of their own medical conditions. You bring all that together, and we have so much more to learn when we listen to the patients speak. Thanks for listening to The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey with best-selling author Mark Stinson. Our podcast is hosted on Captivate.fm, so you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of The Patients Speak. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host another show you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. It's a top-rated podcast featuring interviews with creators around the world. We help you gain the confidence and connections to launch your creative work out into the world. Look for Unlocking Your World of Creativity on your favorite podcast app.